You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning and welcome to Recruiting for Mamas. My name is Jennifer Powers Johnson. I have a D1 athlete. He currently plays football at Corner Canyon High School in Draper, Utah. Uh, the reason why I've put this podcast together is because when we started the process, I was looking for information and resources to help us go through this process with Jackson, and uh, there was nothing out there. And so I decided to create my own podcast, and this particular episode is called Odds and ends. We may have touched on uh, some of these items in the previous episodes, but there are definitely some things that I've made a list of that I want to go over on this particular episode. This may be the last episode for a while, or if some additional stuff comes up, then I'll absolutely record another one. Okay, let's talk odds and ends. So the first thing I want to talk about is social media. And I'm sure you hear this all the time. Uh, social media, you have to be extremely aware of. And when, I'm, when we're talking about that, we're specifically talking about Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all the things. Um, you need to be aware that once your athlete is on anybody's big board or anybody's interested in possibly offering them a scholarship, there are mechanisms in place within every organization around the NC2A in which they start to monitor social media. And and what they're what that means is that they are looking to make sure that your athlete doesn't post anything that's going to be a bad look for their organization um, should they decide to offer him. So there can be literally nothing racist on there in any way, shape, or form, nothing sexist, nothing overly violent, except for if you are showcasing a play in which you made a really good play and some people would necessarily categorize that as a violent situation. There should be nothing critical of different organizations. There should be nothing overly political as well because when you're representing a university, at that next level, they don't want to have to spend time putting out fires because of your child's social media on something they posted when they were 12 years old or 13 years old. And so my advice on that is you need to sit down with your child. You need to go through every tweet, every post, every video, every TikTok, and look at that content as if you were a college and whether or not that would be representing your college in a way that you would like to say, hey, we're bringing in quality uh, young men to play the game and, and we feel good about their character. So uh, there's been numerous stories where someone will be ready to go to the draft and the night before the draft comes out, they will find pictures of that particular person smoking pot. 
Um, there was a story floating around a couple of days ago regarding uh, content that was videoed of a video game being played, and they had different players on that game, and there was a very highly rated uh, ge- gentleman that was taken in the first round of the draft, and supposedly they had video of him saying very um, offensive comments while he was playing a video game. And you would think you should be able to play a video game in your own home and kind of let loose and be whoever you are. And in theory, that's true. And for most people, it's completely true. But if you're an athlete and you're going to end up being high profile, either for a college or for uh, an NFL team at some point, you got to make sure that that stuff is cleaned up. Um, we always tell Jackson, hey, you need to be aware that somebody is always watching you. And although we'd like to think everybody's got your best interest at heart, sometimes people are looking for something to go, see, he's not the kid you think he is, or see, he's kind of a mean kid or whatever. So A, be a nice kid, have good character, do the right thing. Uh, B, even when you're angry or you think no one's watching, still act the same way. Integrity is what you do when nobody's watching you. And so just assume that you're working within your integrity and that you don't have a lot of things on social media, on those different platforms that need to be cleaned up. But today is a great day to clean those up and give yourself a clean slate before anyone has a chance to dig through the archives and find something that would embarrass a program, embarrass your family, embarrass your athlete, or embarrass um, an organization that may decide that they want to move forward with you. The second thing I need to talk about with this is that parents are also being watched all the time as well. And I had to learn that uh, kind of the hard way. Um Last fall, I was watching some college-level football, and I knew one of the quarterbacks that was playing for this college, and the college didn't win the game. They lost the game, and in the media and in uh, the social media land and the Twitter sphere and all of those places, people were really taking uh, shots at this kid because they had lost the game. And number one, there's no such thing as a team sport in which one guy ruins the whole thing. There are tiny little decisions that happen all over that field of play. So although you as an individual player can be someone who completely didn't help your team that day, also, if everyone on the team is doing their jobs, you shouldn't necessarily be put in that position to be the one that wins or loses it for the whole team, although that tends to be what happens. And also, if you're a high-profile player, if you're a high-profile quarterback, you're going to get all the blame. And uh, I was feeling very defensive for this kid. And so when somebody went after him, I made a comment uh, regarding the offensive line. And I said something like, uh, he probably wouldn't have done X, Y, and Z had he had a line that was blocking for him. Within 
15 to 20 minutes, my player, Jackson Light, got a direct message from a coach at that university, a position coach at that university that said, what, your mom doesn't think my line's doing a good job? And Jackson had no idea that I had even tweeted it in response to somebody. Uh, He was absolutely mortified. I'm the grown-up. I'm supposed to be doing the right things. And so he called me and he said, I don't even know what you tweeted, but take it down. And so that was my little lesson. Was I specifically going after a certain person on the O-line? Absolutely not. Was I trying to defend the QB that we know as a family? Absolutely. Um, but I didn't need to go after somebody else to do it. I could have just said, hey, like, this is a team sport or not said anything at all. So be aware that not only is your athlete being watched, but the parents are being watched and, and what you're supporting and pushing out there is being watched as well. So if you come across as a parent who goes after other kids, if you come across as a parent who is hyping up all these other programs, but not the programs that have offered you, they are going to see that. They are going to know. We had another uh, Division I coach um, have a conversation with my husband in which he said, you know, uh, we don't feel like there's any shot because we watch your family and everything your family does is all ducks, ducks, Oregon, Oregon, Oregon. And he said, that's how we roll over here. Um, when Jackson made the decision to become a duck, we all became ducks because we support our children at 100% of what they do. And so be aware that you as a parent and the way you are acting on social media can absolutely reflect on your child um, and can either help them or hinder them. So be someone who helps and not somebody who tears down other people or is mean on social media in any way, shape, or form. Um, what are they looking for when it comes to social media? What what do they want when they see social media? media? They want somebody who is the quintessential good kid, who is making decisions that are uh, right, that is not pushing weird agendas in any way or political agendas in any way, or they're, they hate, coaches hate that, I'm being slept on narrative that gets pushed out um, to the Twitter world or the social media world. You're not being slept on. They have either A, had a chance to evaluate you, or B, they have looked at your film that we talked about in another episode, and they haven't seen what they're looking for yet. And so if you feel like you're being slept on, that's not something you complain about online. That's something you go back through your film and find out where it looks like you're creating that kind of player in which they're looking for, you redo your film and try it again and push it out there again. They're looking for people who are also not just football. Of course, you're out there and you're trying to get recruited specifically for football, but you should have other things in your life. You should have a hobby. You should have a family. You should uh, come across as somebody who's positive, who... uh, uh, pushes the other players in his program, who uh, travels, who um, does other things than working out, right? Sometimes we're going on a hike. Sometimes we're going on a bike ride. Sometimes we're doing 
playing fun games with our family, but they're looking for a well-rounded kid. And if they go on to social media and the only thing they ever see is football, 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 and nothing else, they're going to start to think, "Uh uh-oh, like, does this kid, is he a well-rounded individual? Does he do things that would provoke leadership in others? There are actually companies out there that can take your social media profiles and they can come up with kind of a composite of what you look like on social media. And sometimes that composite will say, this kid has a problem in this area and this area. Um, We had that run on Uh, We had the opportunity to see that run on Jackson's, and he came across great um, in in all the different categories, with the only exception is he comes across as someone who has violent tendencies. And that's probably because of his film. But, I mean, it's important to be a great football player on the field, but then when you're off the field, it's important to be a good person. So find things that can... Uh, showcase you're a well-rounded individual and make sure you're not just posting football, 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 but, you know, showcasing the bigger picture of you as a person and uh, off the field. Okay. Also, um, you want to make sure that anything you're posting is on brand. So if you're trying to brand yourself as a good person, who is well-rounded. You don't want to have a bunch of stuff on there that is retweeting um, girls in bikinis or uh, anything, nothing sexual. Um, We once heard a story from one of our trainers who was working with an athlete, and he uh, had gone to a party in which the entire party was using red Solo cups in order to drink whatever they are drinking. But red solo cups is indicative of alcohol. And so when those those pictures went out, there were a few universities that thought that he was underage drinking, even though there was only water in the red solo cup. So make sure that you're not sending the wrong message um, with the kinds of photos or videos that you're posting on your social media because... That will give people an impression of you based on, not on whether or not the stereotype is true, but whether or not they perceive the stereotype is true. So be very, if you were someone from the outside looking in, what would your social media or your child's social media tell you about yourselves? So that's kind of my social media odds and ends. Um, Make sure within social media, you're also... Supporting your teammates. Um, again, when the water rises, all, when, the, when there's more water, all the boats rise. So make sure you're out there promoting the kids on your team who are also trying to uh, work on a scholarship as well. And then the number one thing you can do on all of social media is be nice. I can't believe, and be aware that the, the bigger your social media Uh, following gets, the more adults in Kalamazoo, Michigan, or uh, El Paso, Texas can be on their social media and can take pot shots at your student athlete. And you as parents need to just be aware that you can't go after everyone who disagrees with whether or not your kid 
is an athlete or not. You can't fight with other people on, on social media when you're in the recruiting process. And frankly, once you get to a university or move on beyond that, because the truth is what you do and what your child do, does reflects on those organizations. So if you just look at social media and you go, I'm only putting things out there that uh, make me look in the best possible light. And in fact, uh, showcase the good kid I am. And I, we as a family are just nice. There's nothing that can go wrong there. Um, I'm going to take out a little moment right now just to have a quick conversation about the word consent. Um, I can't tell you the number of times where you log on in the morning to the news or whatever and you see that an athlete has recently been charged in some sort of sexual crime. Parents, you need to sit down with your athletes and have a conversation about consent and what consent means and how important it is to get consent before uh, they engaged in any sort of physical intimacy with whoever they're romantically involved with. And and making sure that they're having those conversations with whoever they may be interacting with in that manner. Making sure they're getting consent, they continue to get it sent at consent, they know if consent has been pulled, that that's a, here we go, stop right now. And that the partner that they're with can absolutely um, take back that consent anytime they want. So, have those conversations. Don't be in a situation where your student athletes' uh, dreams and opportunities have been derailed because they didn't understand what consent means, when it can be pulled, how you get consent, and that they should be having those very frank conversations with whoever it is they're dating uh, or going out on dates with, etc. And I know those are really, really hard conversations to have, but a moment of uncomfortableness either between yourselves, your parents and the athlete or the athlete and who they're dating is worth the whole world um, by making sure everyone's protected and safe within those interactions. So that is my little side note about consent without being too overly graphic about what we're talking about there. Okay. The next thing I want to talk about in our odds and ends segment is narrowing the list. All right, and this may be my pet peeve, and I may be completely uh, on a tangent here, and you may have a totally different view of this, so you can take this for what it's worth, but I've definitely had conversations with a lot of coaches about this, and I can tell you that they feel the same way that I'm about to uh, tell you about right here, so let's talk about it. If you are going to make a top 10 list, and top 10 lists should not be for coaches. The reason why kids make top 10 lists is not to inform coaches. It's to inform fans, right? Because fans love the top 10 lists. Fans love the top five list or the top three list. But I think that those lists are incredibly ridiculous unless they are authentic and true to what you're going to be focusing on. And there was a time before we 
started to go through this process where we thought, oh, those, oh, wow, they're narrowing it to top 10. But on the flip side of that, once you know what that is from the inside, you're like, oh, okay, this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So the only way you should be making a top 10 list is you should have over 40 offers. If you don't have over 40 offers, then you shouldn't be making a top 10 list. Now, if you have over 40, feel free to make your top 10 list. Those lists are only for fans. They are only for fans and they're only for media. If you've made a top 10 list and you're about to put that out there, no one on that list should be sideswiped by finding out through your top 10 list that they either made the cut or didn't make the cut. That information should already be given to those coaches in personal conversations before that top 10 list ever drops. And then what you're saying to those coaches is, hi, you made the top 10 list. I wanted to let you know this is coming out. Or B, hi, you didn't make the top 10 list. I've really focused here and here's why I'm, I'm, I'm not choosing your organization going forward. These are hard conversations, but they are turning your athletes into adults when they have to have them. So in order to make a top five, you have to have over 40 offers. In order or to a top 10, you have to have over 40 offers. These are the gen rules of thumb here. If you have to have a top five, you have to have over 30 offers right? It should be very easy to narrow down to a top five if you have 30 offers because you know without a shadow of a doubt, without ever going on site to those 30 different campuses, which no one is ever going to have the opportunity to see unless you spend uh, no time doing schoolwork and no time playing actual football games and no time training and no time doing uh, speed and agility um, that you're going to see all those. So a top five, you've got to have 30 offers. If you're doing a top three, you got to have 20 offers. And those are my rules of thumb. And nobody needs to be sideswiped on the top five, top three, top 10. They all need to be told in advance that they're moving on. And those lists are only, only, only for the fans. Now, uh, if you're going to post a top list under no circumstances should the following line appear at in that tweet here is my top 10 my recruitment is still open no it's not it's not open if you have narrowed it down to a top 10 be a man and stop your recruiting right then you're taking those top 10 you're saying these are my people i'm moving forward with your recruiting is not opening that is the biggest one of the biggest pet peeves for coaches all over the country. Are you kidding me? He just released his top 10. I made his top 10, but then he said, my recruiting is still opening. That's a releasing a nothing. That's hype. That's all hype and it has nothing to do with the process. And it's all about trying to get more and, and look at me, look at me, look at me. Um, and that's, if you've got 40 offers, if you've got 30 offers, if you've got 20 offers, yeah, you don't need that. That's ridiculous. Um, so that is my diatribe about your recruitment is not still open. If you put my recruitment is still open, you are a joke. That's how the coaches think of you. Like you're a joke. This is ridiculous. He's not serious about what he's doing. Uh, the other line I'm not a fan of, and I wouldn't include that on anything, is please respect my decision. 
Nobody needs to respect your decision. They can like what you decided or not like what you decided. Respecting your decision, is that supposed to A, make people not disagree with your decision or B, make them not go after you? People are going to go after you or not go after you based on who they are, right? So if a fan goes after you, that might not be a good program for you a good fit for you culturally for you to go to that program. So putting no one, please make sure to uh, like respect my decision is just words as if uh, you have elevated yourself to such importance that people are going to be arguing with you about your decision. Respect is earned. That is that. Stop using that tagline. Um, And Saying the comment, uh, no interviews, please, is the most uh, thirsty, as the kids say, comment on the planet. It's saying, I want interviews. I want interviews really bad. Because you don't need to say no interviews. You just need to not do any interviews. Anybody can ask you anything all day long. It doesn't bother you to have them ask. You don't have to open the email. You don't have to open the direct message. You can disable the direct message uh, link on your Twitter. Saying no interviews, please, is a thirsty comment. It's an intention-seeking comment. So get rid of those things. So just to recap, if you have 40 offers, you can put out a top 10. If you have 30 offers, you can put up a top five. If you have 20 offers, you can put up a top three. None of those people are allowed to be sideswiped by what you are doing. Uh, You have to make personal phone calls to each and every one of them to let them know they're either on the list or off the list. Uh, You are not going to put my recruitment is still open because if you're making a top list, it is in fact not open and no one needs to respect your decisions and you can simply decide to do no interviews. So the lines, please respect my decision and no interviews should not be included on any of these things moving forward. All right, diatribe about that. Uh, (laughs) We'll be done with that subject for a second. Okay, let's talk about uh, verbal commitments real quick. So when we are talking verbal commitments, normal those can come anytime after an offer is made, but there should definitely be some things that you're doing when you're ready to make a verbal commitment. And the first is you need to have a great idea of how many offers your program that you're thinking about committing to is accepting. So how many spots do we have in the position group that I'm going to be accepting an offer, right? And if you don't know that information ahead of time, that's a problem. Because if they have put out offers for five people and they're only taking two, you need to know, oh, I got to commit now versus later. Um, so that's the number one question. How many spots do you have my permission for my position? And uh, how, how long are, do I have to make this decision? Is there a possibility that they could decommit from you? So this is very similar to the athletes decommitting. Universities could end the year much better than they started the year. And they could go from being a mid-level program to a top 10 program. Or uh, they could go uh, into like a top five program. And when you're a top five program, you can recruit kids at the highest level. And you don't have to settle for two, three 
two and three star kids. So if your athlete is not a five star, is it possible? There's always a possibility that that program could, in theory, decide they don't want to take your commitment anymore. And that can be a someone better came along in your position and they feel like they've got a better shot of getting that person or b something on your social media turn them off to you and turn them off to your culture within their organization and they've decided you may not be a good fit. So uh, make sure you have an understanding of whether or not um, they would possibly decommit from you and then you're ready to go and commit to them and they're like oh no thanks we're not going to be taking that commitment and uh it happens it happens all the time so but that also has a lot to do with relationship management are you talking to the coaches every day are they talking back to you you can't just get an offer and not develop those relationships and then six months to a year down the road decide to commit to them you have to be doing and working on your side to develop that relationship as well. And then are you someone that they see as being able to come in and compete immediately for a starting job? So some organizations have really good people in front of you. And even if you were to come in and compete and in theory beat out that person, they may continue to stay with that person. Or they may have decided right from the get-go that you're a great candidate to redshirt your freshman year and just be developed that year. And so if you're looking to go to an organization where you can compete to uh, play right away and they've decided you're going to be a redshirt, then you may decide that's not necessarily uh, a program that you want to commit to. Um. The other thing I wanted to say about what you should be doing prior to making some any sort of a commitment is make sure that you're talking to your high school coaches. Get their input and their vibes on whether or not they can see you fitting in with that program because they definitely um, have been doing this far longer than you have been doing this. They know all the coaches at a college level better than you know them. They've seen kind of what they've worked with in the past. And they also know how strongly those head coaches are calling your head coach or your position coach and telling them they want you. So that's really good input to have. Also talk to other athletes in the program that are currently in the program about their um, what what was really good for them or what surprised them about coming into that program and see if it's something that would surprise and possibly concern you as well. And then make sure as a family you're making this decision because mom and dad need to be on the same page as the kid. So when you come to an agreement, every all of your um, advisors should be pretty close with you on where you are on your commitment and how you want to uh, proceed with making a commitment or not. And then I always say to people, once you've made internally to yourself a commitment, make sure your athlete, or if you're the athlete and you're listening to this, you uh, sleep on it. Pretend like you've already told them and then sleep on it and wake up the next morning and are you feeling relief or are you still looking for other offers that may be coming in, or other coaches that may be talking to you. You should feel 100% relieved, and so that all you need to do moving forward is to focus on your high school season, finishing up your high school season, and enjoying uh, the last moments you have to play high school ball. If you're not feeling relieved, go back to the board, start over in that decision-making process because you haven't made the right decision. 
All right, we're going to talk really quickly about early enrollees and and what that is. So essentially, uh, some kids decide to play their entire uh, or go to their entire senior year of high school, and some kids decide that they want to get up and on campus um, as quickly as they possibly can because they want to uh, get involved and know the playbook and have the best shot at competing for a starting spot once that fall comes along. Um, so you would generally be, instead of showing up in June uh, for fall football, you'd be showing up in January for fall football. And so let's talk about what needs to happen in order for that to work out for you or for workout for your athlete. You need to have been working on that for a while. You need to make the decision prior to ever even going into college or going into high school that you might want to be an early graduate. Um, our family did sit down ahead of time and say, um, when, when Jackson was playing varsity as a freshman, ooh, we're going to try and get ahead of this, and we're going to try and get him available to graduate early. So what that generally means is that you need to be taking a full boat of classes in high school and you also need to be taking additional courses outside that high school curriculum. So for Jackson, um, he goes to a school in Utah. Utah has an eight period day system in which you're taking not eight per day, but you're taking four on one day, four on the other day. Um, Utah is a highly religious uh, community, and everyone in Utah in high school has the ability to take what's called seminary, which is a religious class, as part of their regular high school curriculum. And so what Utah has done is say, for graduation, you need seven credits a year for a total of four years for 28 credits. Most kids will graduate from high school with those 28 credits. If you don't take that uh, seminary class, then you would graduate after four years with 32 credits. So Jackson is, uh, he's not a seminary kid. He doesn't take seminary. Instead, we put another core class on his schedule instead of that seminary. So while his peers were taking seven classes, Jackson was taking eight to get ahead of where he needed to be. So after three years, he was sitting on 24 credits, which left only three to go. Additionally, outside of high school in those eight full boat courses, he was taking another core course in the online curriculum. And once again, when you're taking online courses in with your core curriculum, you got to make sure that those courses are NC2A uh, rated and that they are accepted for eligibility. So he took the full boat in, in high school plus an additional core class online. And then there are certain classes that you can test out of in order to make sure you're hitting the guidelines to graduate in Utah. So he never did take a health class. We signed him up to test out of the class, and he just tested it out of the class. It's not a core class, so he, having a pass-fail on a non-core class is okay. Um, he tested out of fitness for life. 
as crazy as it sounds, you can play football for four years at in Utah and you are not considered a fit person. They make every single kid in Utah take a fitness for life class. And so Jackson didn't take that class. He simply tested out of that class. He also tested out of financial literacy. It's a requirement in Utah that you uh, take a class called financial literacy. So instead of taking that class, he put a core in where that would be and he tested out of financial literacy. So right now Jackson's finishing up his junior year of high school. He will have uh, two classes that need to be taken in his fall semester of his senior year. He will need to complete an entire year of English because English has to be taken one year at a time, so there was no way to get ahead on the English. Um, so he'll be taking online English um, as soon as this year is over and be finishing an entire year within the first between July and December of his senior year. And then he has to take uh, <laughs> some art classes. So in regular school, he'll take some art classes. And then he needs to have one more digital media class. And, and that's it. He'll be done. Everything else was taken care of. So he's got a pretty easy senior year going on, other than he will need to concentrate on that one core class that instead of having a year to accomplish, he has from July to December to accomplish. Um, and that'll make it so he can play football. He will graduate in December. Uh, he will enroll at the University of Oregon at this point in January, and he will be on campus and off to the races. The only thing we see derailing that would be whether or not college football pushes a little bit uh, based on uh, the current pandemic. Um, and if they needed us to come in a little bit later, say March time frame, because maybe they'd still be playing their season in January slash February time frame. Um, because a school can't enroll you and pay for your school if they're still holding those scholarships um, on the other side. So couple of recaps from on early enrollees. You need to have been working on it for a while, so you need to decide within at least the first year that that's something that you want to do. If you don't, it's going to be almost, it's going to be a really hard situation to get ahead of. Um, you also need to have a student or an athlete who is not interested in worrying about going to the back half of their senior year. So there's prom, there's graduation, there's Valentine's Day dance, there's uh, track, there's all the things you could possibly be doing in the back half of your senior year. So your, your athlete, this needs to be something that they buy into as well and that you haven't unilaterally made that decision for them. They need to be on board with that because they're going to miss the second half of their senior year. Um, you also need to discuss this with whatever program you're wanting to go with, uh, football team that you're wanting to go with, because they need to be on board with you coming in early as well, i.e. they need to be able to have that scholarship offer ready. And um, the upside of all of this is because your athlete or will be able to get in there at the earliest possible moment, start learning the playbook, start training at a college level, start taking classes at a college level. So by the time spring football rolls around or fall football rolls around, they have been involved with the team and they are moving forward in, in their 
progressions. All right, the last thing we're going to talk about on the Odds and Ends podcast is commitment. So these are just some of the things I want you to think about as we're talking about commitment, and I'll probably have some comments specifically about pandemic commitments, but this is what you need to know. Uh, You need to sit down as a family and start looking at what is your commitment criteria. And we went over this in the bonus episode where I talked about Uh, what Jackson's commitment criteria was. So make sure you've got that list and you're revisiting that list every so often to make sure those are still the things that are important to your athlete and to your family as you're going through the commitment process. And then you may update it. You may think, oh, I thought it was going to be really important to be close to home, but now that I know my parents are going to come anyway, you know, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make sure that uh, I'm updating my commitment criteria all the time. And then the next thing we I, you want to talk about is how many officials are you going to take? Um, officials used to be something you could take and then you'd have a while to meander and then you'd sign in February when, when the signing date came around. The moment the official, the early signing date happened, everyone really did shift to that being the main signing date and the, the secondary signing date is really just cleanup time. And so unless you are a five-star athlete, and there's only roughly 30 to 35 of them in the country every year, and unless you are a high four-star athlete, taking five official visits makes you look A, greedy, (laughs) B, you're wasting four people's time. So I think uh, taking five—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a thing of the past. People aren't taking five official visits anymore because they're signing in the early signing date. Also, you're not just competing against other kids that are in high school right now with the transfer portal. The way the transfer portal is, if they see someone who comes available from, say, someone wants to transfer from Alabama or somebody wants to transfer from Clemson, or somebody wants to transfer from LSU, their second team and third team guys are like four and five star recruits. So they can source your position out of the transfer portal and don't necessarily need to do all these visits with all these kids. And because they're paying for them, it comes off their dime. So I would say moving forward, if you can take five official visits, that's going to be a miracle. It's going to be two or three tops. Um, I just, because otherwise those positions are going to be taken by higher rated, possibly better players before you've had a chance to even finish your visits. Um, we talked about on another podcast having a time frame for your verbal commitment. Make sure that you've got that written down somewhere, that there's certain things you want to do prior to making that verbal contract or verbal commitment, and that you're updating that constantly and shifting that depending on the needs of what's going on. So right now we're in a pandemic. Kids are absolutely committing like crazy because 
there is no spring visits going on. There are no official visits going on. We don't know when the NC2A is even going to allow official visits. So kids are making commitments now rather than lose out. Um, you just need to make sure that your plan where it was originally is constantly dynamic and being updated because you may have said, oh, this is our time frame," and then you may have essentially um, made it so your athletes left out because you weren't flexible based on the current environment that's that's happening right now. Um, okay, you also need to decide if you're signing early or signing late. And again, there's risks in that, and we've talked about it. Um, those positions may be gone by the time the later signing period happens. 77% last year of all the athletes signed with the early signing period. I think this year that'll probably go up to 85 or 90%. Are you the 10% that's willing to wait around for the cleanup time in February? Um, all right. And then once you commit, what reasons, if, once you verbally commit, what reasons would be okay for you to change your commitment? In our family, we determined that once, and I sat in Mario Cristobal's office and I looked him in the eye and I said to him, once we make a commitment as a family, we are not people that are going to decommit. And I meant it 100%. And Jackson meant it 100%. Like once we commit, we've committed and that's all she wrote. Uh, the only caveat at this point, and I'm always open to the thing I didn't know, right? But at this point, the only caveat, and we've said this specifically to the coaches at, at Oregon, is if you as coaches decide to take jobs at other locations, either other programs or the NFL, then all bets are off. Because when we verbally committed to Oregon, we were verbally committing not only to the university, but to you as coaches and to to this team as a family. So they know if they go to the NFL or if they go to another school that we see that as um, a break in the verbal commitment. And that was told to them right out of the gate. So they know that. Um, we wouldn't decommit for any other offer. Any university could come through the door right now and offer Jackson an offer, and he would say, thank you so much, but I'm a duck. Um, it was really interesting to see how he did that. He had Michigan come through. He had Notre Dame come through. And I remember him coming home one day and telling us, yeah, I was talking to Notre Dame today. They really like me, and they wanted to know how, how much of a duck I am. And I told them, I'm a duck. And I mean, as parents, like Notre Dame's like a storied program. Like we all have seen the movies and we know about Notre Dame. So to have your kid be able to have that conversation, we, we were proud of him. Um, and, and essentially that's why kids flip sometimes is the coach that they were buying into and the coach that they committed to is no longer with the program. And so, you know, honestly, at that point, What's your backup plan? What relationships have you been cultivating if that's going to happen? And midway through the season, you can tell sometimes whether or not that is happening. Sometimes coaches just retire. Um, the University of Washington's coach just decided he didn't want to be a coach anymore. He's still involved with the program, but he's not the head coach anymore. And, and that can be a reason why you lose, why kids can flip as well. 
And then uh, you need to be aware that once you do commit and that kind of hits out there, that there are going to be some fans who think that you committing to that school is ridiculous, that they could have done better. Um, Don't fight with them. Ignore them. If you can, don't even look at those comments. Or if you do look at them, make sure that you're using them for fuel to work harder and be worthy of them changing their minds. Although you shouldn't be married to whether or not they think that of you. But just be aware that 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 does happen. All right. I've already gone on for 46 minutes. This is the end of our odds and ends uh, segment. And it'll probably be a little bit before I record again until the next thing hits me that I need to talk about. So that's it. Um, You can see any of the uh, podcast recordings that are available on Spotify. Feel free to listen to anyone that you want. And as always, if you have any questions, feel free to direct message me. And until next time, hope you have a great day and good luck to everyone. Bye-bye.